professional wrestler to CG Scorpion to a yeah. serious actor. We've seen it a thousand times. And we'll see it a thousand more. This is We Have Concerns. Hi, Jeff Kanata. Hi, Anthony Carboni. Hello, concerned citizens. Speaking of movies, Anthony. Sure. Which we were. And if you are not a patron, uh, you did not hear that conversation, but you could. Patreon.com slash We Have Concerns. Was it three bucks to hear that conversation? (laughs) And all the other ones. Don't worry. It's not just for that conversation. You get so many. You get all of our conversations. It's not like we don't think any conversation we have is worth three bucks. Yeah, no, but all the cumulative. But cumulatively, <laughs> all of my life's work is maybe worth $3. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of movies, Anthony, yeah, yeah, you like a Star War. I have been known to like a Star War, yes. My understanding is that you are in some circles synonymous with the Star War. I have, uh, I have been in, I was briefly enlisted in the Star Wars. Yes. You were, you were drafted into the, into the Star Wars. Yes. I, I'm in I the understand. Star Wars. I'm in the Star Wars reserves. I do a couple weekends a month <laughs> and then two weeks a year. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I, I also understand you like uh, you. You don't discriminate against the star. You'll you'll take a trek. You enjoy a tra- Star oh, Trek. I fucking love a trek. Yeah. Are you kidding? I got a lot of listen. We can't go there, but I got a lot of opinions because there's a lot of trek lately. Well, I'm not. Oh yeah, that new Picard. Those new Picard trailers. I got the, a lot of opinions the, about a lot of trek. Yeah. They're literally throwing everybody back. They're like, you want a Guinan? Guinan? We got Guinan for you. You want Q? Yeah, we got Q for you. Hey, you want some data? We got it. We got it all for you. Hey, listen, like I said, this is a digression and we don't want to go too far into it. But can we just say, can we just say out of everybody, out of everybody from the next gen cast, did you have your money on John Delancey being the silver fox? (laughs) I was, yo, I was looking at that Picard (laughs) season two trailer and I was like, I was no, like, he he pulls it off, doesn't he? He, he pulls got, it off. He is, he is a hot old guy. Yeah, more yeah. so than any of them, which is crazy. You wouldn't have seen that coming. Yeah, uh, but I do like a war, and I do like a track. More like screw. No, that didn't really work. What is? What are you doing? I'm trying. I don't know. I was trying something. What are you? Hey, hey man, we're, we're digressing again. I'm trying to pull. I'm trying to pull us out of this. <laughs> hey, so. My point is, yeah, what's your uh, point? you like the Star Wars, you like the Star Trek. I'm, me, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I love me a space epic. But you, you know, the problem, the problem we've always had throughout history with our space epics, they're, uh, they're not really filmed in space. You know, oh, just, no. Not oh really no! In space, Anthony, you're gonna make me talk about this. Oh yeah. no! Oh, we yeah. talked about this for two minutes on the morning show, and I got so mad. Oh well, that's why no! Because that's what I like doing. I like winding you up and then seeing what happens. Oh See? no, Jeffrey. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Tell the kids. Well, all that's gonna change, kids, uh, because uh, there's some uh, there's some stuff happening right now. Uh, in fact. There is going to be no. a film studio. Absolutely not. In space. No. It is going to be called the Space Entertainment Enterprise, or C, for uh, short, S-E-E. Planned completion date, December 2024. 
for the module that will be built on the International Space Station and then jettisoned, separated from the ISS in 2028. It will exist 250 miles above Earth and it will be a site to explicitly host films, television, music, sporting events. Folks will be able to go to space, no, content creators who want not. to develop, produce, record, broadcast, and live stream no. from Spizace. Listen to me very carefully. <laughs> Listen to me very, very carefully. This is a company that is working with Tomothy Cruz <laughs> on his next sci-fi movie. That's right. And this, this, this absolutely bonkers human being that we have not just normalized, but deified said. He's, he's the best of us. Said. That is true. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> he said, these movies is dumb because I don't really get, I have, we don't really do them in space. I'm not doing it unless we do, we got to do it in space. It's time to do them in space now. And yeah. like everybody was just like, sure, Tom, let's figure this out. NASA's on board. This thing is going to be docked to the ISS while it like while it goes through all of its initial like everything. They're going to make sure just like the Russian, just like the Russian space station was. They are going yeah. to dock it to the ISS, make sure yeah. everything is operational. It's all good. It's functioning. Everything's great. And then it just and then Tom Cruise's little fucking satellite just gets to fly off into space and orbit our planet, and Elysium is real. And <laughs> I know that's a Matt Damon movie, and I'm mixing my movies, but it's... You're mixing your... Tom Cruise... Muscle-bound stars. Tom Cruise is building a movie studio in space, and I have to pay for my own KN95 masks. <laughs> we don't have any money for anything. But Tom Cruise gets a movie studio in space. Okay, well, I don't, I don't want to get too far down this road. Where you, you, you are you, not. You, we talked for five minutes about hot John Delancey. This is the story you brought up, and you didn't think no, it was going to go down saying, this road. Well, I don't want to get too far down the road with with being not completely factually correct because you are correct in that the genesis of this idea was the fact that Tom Cruise is making a space movie in space. And the company that is co-producing that movie is called Axiom Station or Axiom Entertainment. Uh, and Axiom Entertainment got the approval to make Axiom Station, which is the first commercial wing of the International Space Station. They got approval for that back in 2020. So basically, there's a part of this, part of the International Space Station, which is a, you know, a general works project, a government entity. Uh, part of that now is is commercialized. So Axiom Station is a is a module on the ISS that is commercially owned, and they are renting space or donating space. Who knows? But they are letting Tom Cruise and Doug Liman make a movie in that thing. Now, that is not what I'm talking about. They're sending the director the of Swingers point. to space. <laughs> yeah. Space swingers. Uh, so that because that's happening, 
that has now prompted another company to partner with Axiom. Yeah, we need we need another company involved. We need to make this even bigger. Yeah. This is this company is called SEE. Yeah. Space Entertainment Enterprise. It is uh you're going to love this. The co-founders Dmitry and Elena Lesnevsky. Hmm. Uh they are uh Russian millionaires hmm. uh who uh I can't remember what they did before this, but it was a why, crazy thing. Why would I love that? Because because uh, I love Russians. You love because of my because of my Russian fetish. Yes, yeah. You know, I want every time I say Dmitry Levsnesky, you get excited. It's like, ooh, that's a Russian name. I better tell Anthony. (laughs) Yeah, you love it. Um, (laughs) You love it. Um, What a weird uh, thing! You're gonna love this, and then he just (laughs) names two Russian people. Well, it's not, you know, it's Tom Cruise partnering with the Russians to make a space project. Um, oh, fuck this whole so, thing. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so two different companies, Axiom, they're docking with the commercial Axiom mm-hmm. module of the International Space Station. Sure. So it, it is in partnership with Axiom, but it's not, it is a completely different company. This is going to be called the SEE-1. Uh, and they think that they're going to be able to make not only movies and TV shows up there that take place in space because they'll have, it's not going to be in space. It's going to be in low earth orbit, right? So they'll have uh, reduced gravity, not zero gravity, but still much more authentic, a little verisimilitude for your space for what? fiction. For what? For uh, what? But not only that, I think the more, more interesting part is they, they, they think it's going to, they're going to do like concerts and shit on it. For who? For what? Well, don't you want to see Foo Fighters uh, in zero G? Hey, or close hey, to zero G? Hey, Jeff. Yeah, you and I aren't going to those concerts. No, I don't think anybody's going. I think there are concerts that are happening in space, and they want back part of Earth. that. They want part of the SEE to be space tourism. They want part of that to be a wing of it yeah. to be space tourism. They want people yeah, to go I, into I, space and have dinner with Tom Cruise and Doug Liman <laughs> in. In low Earth orbit, and the the cheapest insurance I can get is four hundred dollars a month. That's what they want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what they want. No, those, they looked around and they are, said, "Yeah, this is this is the thing that we talk about all the time with these with these auteurs and these uh, and these studios that have too much money." Where it's like, you remember how we talked about how for the last five years, um, James Cameron has just been just been dunking Sigourney Weaver in a tank (laughs) and just forcing her to stay underwater for like trying to drown Sigourney Weaver. He's basically just trying to drown Sigourney (laughs) Weaver and like because he can't fake the underwater scenes in Avatar, which is an animated film. (laughs) So and then you have and then you have your uh, your Christopher Nolans who are like, look, I want to direct a new movie, but I'm just too bored to unless you build me a giant rotating building. (laughs) <laughs> what in the London riverbed I want a giant rotating building that costs billions and I want to shoot it with the cameras that were invented to shoot space okay man if that's what it takes oh and also everybody should mumble we know how you love that sure whatever you need and well, so like and so Tom you Cruise take four says seconds to name, you, you take four seconds to name your protagonist Chris sure his name is protagonist 
right. Get fucked. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so it's like, well, we don't see any problem because, because we know that as artists, the most important thing right now is that our space scenes look fake and people can't believe that. Is that really with your sensitive creative artist soul? That's the worst problem you could think of that needs solving right now is gravity <laughs> didn't look real enough to you. That's the I, problem. I'm going to take the opposite view on this, Anthony. I am sick of pretending, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Every suspension of disbelief. No, I can't. I, every, I, I shan't. I just, yeah. every time I see, I look, I look and I go, that guy's not really in space. That guy's not in space. And it ruins the whole movie for me. Yeah. When they, when I you watch know, the fast films and they don't drop real cars out of real planes. Yeah. I can tell and it ruins the movie for me. I need Patrick Stewart to visit this place if he wants to play Jean-Luc Picard again. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, please don't. They're all, they're all in their 70s. Don't make them live up there. It's very dangerous. Dude, I think he's in his late 80s, if not 90s. He's, 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 he's old. It's tough to uh, tell with him because he looked 40 when he was 20. He's one of those. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's very true. Uh, I love this. I think this is amazing. <sighs> hey, I wanna Jeff. See, I want to see space movies uh, filmed on location. If we were living you know? in better times right now, I'd probably have a different outlook on this. I, I yeah. probably would have a different outlook on this. Uh, right now, all I can think about is just the just the waste of it all. And not just the waste of it all. Uh, I can also think about the fact that not only does NASA have to just shut up and fucking let Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos do shit just to stay running. We have to let Jeff Bezos put on his novelty fucking cowboy hat and go into space for eight and a half minutes and, yeah. and do as much damage to the environment as a one million humans will in their lifetime. Because otherwise, NASA just run out of money, right? Yeah. They just run out of right. money. Sorry, no more it's NASA. Got to sell it to Bezos. No more NASA. And so the fact that it's now like Tom Cruise wants to go into space and he wants to bring the director of Swingers with him. <laughs> It's like, all right, man, whatever it takes to keep yeah. this thing running, I guess. We're the only people that can tell when an asteroid's heading towards Earth, so I suppose <laughs> we should keep the lights on. <laughs> yeah, you know what the funniest thing about this is? Is that there, I guarantee you that this thing is just going to be all green screens. It's going to be a room in space that has green screens. Well, that's the thing, right? It's because they're going to want people to look like they're floating, but it's not just going to be for like space movies. It's going to be like, we want, we want Thor to fight a scroll midair, <laughs> right? And so it's like, and we want it to look as cool and real as possible. So we're going to have, we're going to have Chris and Ben Mendelsohn punching each other in zero <laughs> gravity because it looks real that way. But then Which we're going to... It doesn't matter. But then we're going to composite the city of New York behind them. Yeah, exactly. No, you know, what, you know what's going to happen first up there? You know, of course, Tom Cruise is going to make his movie. Um, Whether you... Listen, nothing can stop that. Something I've learned in my lifetime, true. you can say, there are things that you can say with a certainty and I will tell you this with a certainty. Tom Cruise will make his movie. <laughs> he will make his movie. 
But then after that, you know, you know what the first thing that's going to be made up there is a fucking Pepsi commercial. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be, it's going to be Pepsi commercials <laughs> and, <laughs> and music videos is what it's going to be. There's not going to be, there's not going to be an awesome space epic. You're not going to make Gravity 2 up there. Alfonso Cuaron isn't going up there. It's going to be some 20 something uh, commercial director that's like, we're going to make the most kick ass Pepsi commercial about how space is really the the most woke place. <laughs> do you, I mean, well, do you remember when, uh, when, do you remember when the average, like everybody, it became a thing that everybody knew about was the, uh, was the vomit comet, the, the, the plane yeah, that you can go right. on and have like moments of weightlessness? Apollo 13, right? Yeah, they did Apollo 13, but then like, do you remember how many music videos and shit were done up there and how many YouTubers yeah. they put on that plane? <laughs> yeah. And like, OK yeah, Go did a video be. up there because OK Go uh, was like, fuck, we don't. That, that OK Go video is good, though. It's, that's dude, a cool video. Every OK video is good. Every OK Go video was good. They yeah. trapped themselves. <laughs> did. They couldn't just they really make did. a music video. They were like, fuck, we got to spend. They just spent a year and a half. Do you see that one where they, they're in the car and it rolls past the all the flaps that make the sounds for like an hour and a half? Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. That was a good that was a good OK Go video too. It's fucking yeah. It's, this is gonna be OK Go video central up here. Let me do you think if I know Avatar, what Jeff, you you like Avatar. I what love is Avatar? What is the current release date for Avatar 2? It's this this December. This December. 2022. Okay. Yeah. But Avatar 3 is going to be shot up there, right? I mean, I think he already shot all of them. I think they're all underwater. You know, Cameron's like, I did space. I got to go deeper. You know, I got to go. It's, it's oh, he tabs. loves. He, listen, here's one thing that I do love about James Cameron. We've talked about this before. That dude loves the ocean. He's an <laughs> he really asshole. Does. But man, he loves the ocean. And he just gives so much money to like to like oceanographic research and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. just like, well, at least we have that. Dude loves an it's ocean. Nice. He loves an ocean. He wants to make sure the ocean is, is nice. Yeah. And, and you know, I, Tom Cruise is, is an odd bird to say the least. To say uh, the least. And, and you know, he's probably going to make a movie that kills him, right? He's going to, his, his intention is to die doing what he loved. Which I is think he wants a, to. I honestly, insane. Honestly, I think he wants to. Yeah. I think he genuinely just, and this is, this is me just pop psychology of celebrities and it's stupid and it's garbage and don't do what I'm doing. But uh, I genuinely believe he wishes for like one of those giant turbines or something to just, to just like end <laughs> just it. eat him. You know what I just mean? <laughs> I think he's hoping, like, I think he, I think he's hoping the last thing he sees is Christopher McQuarrie going, did we? Tom? Tom? He wants to see. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's all he wants. Act, his final act will be, you know, like the scene in Mission Impossible 12 where they, where, uh, what's his name of his character? Ethan Hunt. Where Ethan Hunt has to be shot into the sun. And he's like, you know, audiences just won't buy it unless you shoot me directly into the sun. <laughs> the audiences just won't, won't buy it. They, they'll, they can tell that it's fake unless you shoot me into the sun. And Christopher McQuarrie is going to be like, I, you know, I, I will, whatever you want, Tom, let's yeah, do this. Yeah, well, I think they're going to be sitting at a big table full of like studio executives and stuff. And the studio executives are going to be like, that's great. Like you can't even do that, blah, blah, blah. 
but he and Christopher McQuarrie are going to lock eyes and Christopher McQuarrie will just like nod knowing that this is like, this is Tom saying it's time to go. His, he's, yeah, it's time for him to exactly. return to the, where does Zeno live? A volcano? It's like underneath a volcano? I forget. Something like that. I don't um, know. I hate this for right now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. I get you. I'm sympathetic to your point of view, but I, I, I'm not even joking, dude. Unironically, I love this. I think it's I, cool. I totally get, I get the like wastefulness and just bonkers level of spending for very little return. Well, every time they shoot some- a movie up there, it is going to be like as expensive and wasteful and detrimental to the environment as Jeff Bezos's nine minute space fun time. Oh yeah. No, it's this is a terrible, terrible idea. It's and yet there's part of me that's like, yeah, man, let's just you know, if we're if we're Rome right now, let's just get as opulent as we can. For my two hours of entertainment, yeah. for me to be like, eh, what else is on? You know, what else is on on Netflix? For Netflix to like give me three seconds to put on the next thing after I absorb the fact that human beings went into space only to create this fictional story for me, you know? Like, there's something that's just chef's kiss beautiful about the pure audacity of that. You know? Yeah, no. In that level, so here's the thing. Here's what I will say, because I see where you're coming from. And here's what I will agree with. If I know for certain this is the end of civilization as we know it, (laughs) things always continue. Life finds a way, et cetera, et cetera. But if this is the end of this epoch of humankind, I do want to see all of the wildest stuff before I go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to miss the wildest stuff. If this is the end, I, I want all of the craziest shit to happen so I can at least sigh and shake my head and go, I knew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. hate to I'd hate to leave this earth and leave my leave my one human life with uncertainty about whether we turn it around or not. I would like yeah. to see us either turn it around or I would like to see space movies until until it's all over. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, either we we buckle down and really pull up our bootstraps and decide we want to survive or let's just ride the bomb down going yeah the whole way, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, this, listen, here's the thing. This is bad, but if they do it, they do it. If we're smart, we'll stop it, and I'll feel a lot better. But if this happens, because I think they said they're, they're targeting like 2028 or something like that. 2028 for it to be separated off of the uh, ISS, yeah. yeah. If this actually happens by 2028, that's the signal, everybody. It's time to go buck wild. <laughs> if that happens by 2028, it's time. It's time to just... Don't just just do whatever you feel. Yeah, that, that at that point, I want I want an entire subgenre of movie. I want like the 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 weightless space rom com. I want weightless space like uh, kind of boring. My dinner with Andre talkie. You know. Oh my I god! Want, uh, send Wallace like, Shawn to space. Send 
Send Wallace, Sean, and Andre Gregory to space, you cowards. Let them have a 10-course meal in space, cowards. Shoot. My dinner with Andre in space needs to happen. Send somebody up there and have them shoot the most boring, simple indie film possible. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Uh, hey, nothing matters and everything's wasteful. So you know where you should spend some of your money? With us. With us. Hey, I gotta thank A. Tomlinson for posting this story in the Discord. The Discord is the number one place Anthony and I look for science stories. There's a whole bunch of science stories posted that don't make it into episodes, but are still really fascinating, really interesting. It's an amazing resource that our community has come together to, to give the most, uh, the most thought-provoking, coolest stories. They have a place right on our Discord, and that's just one of a dozen different cool, cool plate, cool uh, threads, cool topics that you can talk about with like-minded folks in our Discord. And joining the Discord is only one, one dollar every month. It just seems like a ridiculously low number. That's, I mean, it's the lowest number of whole dollars you can have. Yeah, we looked into it. I mean, obviously, you could have zero dollars, but that's an imaginary number, and I don't deal in that. It's not a whole number. I don't deal in that shit. We're we're all about integers here. Yeah. So uh, head to patreon.com slash we have concerns and put put an an integer into entertainment. Put the integer in entertainment is what we like to say, because we're good (laughs) at marketing. It is what we like to say. We say it nonstop. (laughs) Hey, do you like Back to the Future? Yeah, I love Back to the Future. Yeah, it's a good movie, right? Yeah. Uh, this dude, Justin Berg, by the way, uh, watched Back to the Future. He says at least 25 times and also 25 times, like 25 times all the DVD special features, stuff like that. Just loves Back to the Future. It's his favorite movie. Cool. Yeah. Good for him, right? Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing about Justin Berg. Mm-hmm. He's a professor of organizational behavior at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Okay. So feel like he doesn't have enough time to see Back to the Future that many times, but you know, maybe does. Yeah. Well, I feel like he's just uh I feel like he's just a suit that mentions that he loves Back to the Future, so he can he can he can talk to all the cools. There's mm-hmm. nothing the cools okay. love more than Back to the Future. That movie from nineteen eighty five. Yeah. You can spot the cool because they'll be wearing the uh the puffy vest with no sleeves. <laughs> doesn't uh doesn't your uh, dear friend, nemesis and co host of DLC Christian Spicer have that jacket? The the uh, the Marty McFly jacket? Yeah, I thought he had the Marty McFly jacket. It's certainly possible. I he mean, definitely has the hat. That. I've seen him wear the hat. <laughs> um, anyway, Back to the Future is a good movie. A lot of people love it. Uh, Justin yeah. Berg was like, you know, I think one of the things that made Back to the Future work is the fact that Robert Zemeckis, who co-wrote and directed the film, was there the entire time from start to finish. It was his idea. As opposed to other directors who just phone it in. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I don't mean just on set. I mean, he wasn't oh, handed saying, the script for Back to the Future. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It was his idea. It, he co-wrote the script. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. If he had been handed a screenplay, would, you know, we've seen what happened. Robert Zemeckis has been handed screenplays. Yeah. Do we like, do we like the movies that Robert's, I mean, here's the thing. Polar Express. Polar Express, you know. Rob, Robert Zemeckis was, got, 
a little a little tied up into some tech stuff. We've talked about that before. He get he yeah got a little got a little too forest for the trees. But if uh, he had been around at the genesis of Beowulf, maybe that Beowulf movie would have been better, right? Well, so that's the thing. Justin Berg studies specifically creativity and innovation, mm. um, which I find something interesting. And I always find it interesting that like when schools of economy, when, when schools of economics and schools of business study creativity and innovation, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there is such thing as business creativity and innovation, but I always find it so, so funny, the idea of trying to quantify these sorts of things at a business school. It's a bit school. like making a, uh, a right-handed person sign with their left hand. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, why just study the business part. That's what you're there for. Um, most of the research, Justin Berg says that most of the research on implementing creative ideas focuses on how people win support from their, for their ideas from others. I have an idea. How do I explain it? How do I get people excited about it? How do I get people to jump on board with me for this creative idea? That's what most people study about creativity, right? Because one of the hardest things yeah. to do is to explain your vision for something to other people. But not a lot of people study building a creative idea into a final product, uh, into a final product. Not a lot of people figure out what is the best way to do that and what is the best environment for doing that. Um, so what he did was he looked at the most creative industry in the world right now. Pottery. Oh, big budget Hollywood films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we got a themed episode, do we? Yeah, we, we do. A themed episode? Yeah, we do. Well, I had a couple that I was thinking about doing and I was like, I got to. This is the one. Yeah. Let me tell you, I don't think it's just shooting the movie in space that's going to do it, Doug Lyman, <laughs> director of Swingers. And he studied 25,000 films, whittled it down to about 5,700, and they were looking for movies that had credited roles that differentiated who was involved in the different stages of creating the film. So you've got your, you've got like your pre-production, your production, your post-production, your marketing, things like, you know what I mean? It's all divided yeah. up. Sure. Um, so it was the generation of, ide of the idea, the elaboration of the idea, and the execution of the idea. And then they were this like- This guy just really wanted to write off his IMDb Pro account. That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. And you know, he put his headshot up there. He's not working in <laughs> films, but he put it up there because he's like, I don't know. Couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. Maybe somebody's know. looking for an associate, somebody who looks like an associate producer or an associate <laughs> uh, professor of marketing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so basically they took something like, they took all of these films and then they matched each film with like aggregate critic score, uh, also box office, things like that to see does somebody have to have, does, do you need this sort of creative iconoclast, this Robert Zemeckis who's going to stick around from the genesis of an idea all the way through its execution to really have a creative thing work? Or can you do these baton handoffs at different stages to equally creative and brilliant people and still mm -hmm. have just as big a success that is just as critically acclaimed? 
His goal is to determine whether it's useful, whether it is more advantageous to, to nurture an idea from gestation through completion. Exactly. Does the auteur, okay. does the idea of the auteur have weight, right? Right. Does the idea of the one person who is the creative visionary or whatever have yeah. weight? Now, lately we've been talking about that, the, you know, the creative visionary and the auteur can lead to some really garbagey behavior in garbagey places, right? Um, you might try yeah. to drown Sigourney Weaver for multiple years. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, or we, uh, we might have like a Joss Whedon situation. Right. People Nobody who feel that. that, people who, I, who, who think the project is part of them identify right. with it. This is, this is a part of who I am. And so it has to be done exactly the right way. That can cause yeah. people to exhibit some really gross behavior. That megalomania, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I think you're thinking of Megamind, which was a great movie, very collaborative. Wasn't the sequel Megalomania? Or those are just the fans of Megamind? Those are just the fans Me- of Megamind. Where are my like, megalomaniacs at? Woo! Yeah, we just meet up once a month and we talk about uh, we talk about Megamind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. What Justin Berg says is there's actually been study of this in like medicine, the idea of like handing off the idea of like, mm, yeah, you know, chemistry and medical procedures or, or things like that. There's been a lot of like handing well, off projects like that. Let me, yeah, let me, let me kind of work through my intuitions on this because from an artistic perspective, I tend to just sort of intrinsically value folks like the Quentin Tarantino's, the... The, the, the writer directors, the, the, the folks that are like, this is my idea. I have a very specific vision for it. I want to make it, you know, my way. I want to cast it. I want to, you know, I, I'm going to write it. I'm going to make, I sort of instinctively feel like that is of value and mm-hmm. feels more pure. And yet when you bring up something like medicine or science or anything, I, I feel, well, it is very useful to have multiple perspectives to challenge one's assumptions, to challenge that uh, singular-minded vision and say, hey, let's poke the holes in your, in your problem. Let's make sure you're not overlooking something that another perspective might reveal. Right. So I, I feel like I'm conflicted. And I don't know. I genuinely don't know which one. Because I feel like they both have value. Both of those approaches have value. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, we've, we've talked before about how um, I certainly, I work better in a collaborative process, right? Like, even if I mm. come up with an idea, it's, I like to hear what other people think about it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, you know what I mean? Because you, you only have your own point of view. Yeah. And so other people's points of view can be very useful. Now, on a larger, on a larger scale creative project, how helpful is that, right? Like, like you're saying, is it more, is it more important to have your Quentin Tarantino's or whatever foot fetishist you want to put in charge uh, <laughs> there from the beginning who can go, I see what you're saying, but this is not that. Mm, Good idea, right. but no, it doesn't fit into this. The rubric right. for what this is is in my mind, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and I can tell you why what you're, what you're bringing up, even though it seems like a good idea, feels wrong. Um, so it's very interesting, right? 
because because you're right. Like having extra pairs of eyes is very valued in other places, like engineers, science, all of these things. Yeah. So the study was not just does the handoff of a creative thing matter, but does the ha- but does the timing of the handoff matter? Oh, interesting. If At ha- what point in the in the production is it? most advantageous to let someone else take the reins. Right. If you have the idea and you write the script, is it cool to hand it off to a director producer, right? Something like that. If you have the idea and you sort of make the idea happen, should you follow through with the idea? By the same token, I have the idea. Great idea. Let's hand it off to somebody very early on. Let's hand it off to this writer and then this writer will hand it off to this director. Which, what works? And what's very interesting is by studying, not just doing the IMDb study and looking at these correlations uh, between creative teams and uh, critical reception of films, they also had a bunch of different creative teams come up with different advertisements for uh, soft pretzels made with cricket flour, which just sounds like they were double... double dipping into something else they had money invested in, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> He's like, hey, how can I get my IMDb Pro account as a write-off? Also, I got all of this cricket flour in the I put, other I put room. all my money into cricket flour. <laughs> I went huge and hard into cricket flour. <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do with it? <laughs> um, so they watched, so they they gave these different teams different... Uh, creative processes to go through, right? In one, like a creative director just did the whole thing. In another one, it was like, okay, well, let's brainstorm the idea and then hand it off to a right. All of these things. They wanted to put all this data together. And here's what they found. You can hand off a project. You can hand off a creative thing. And it doesn't necessarily hurt that thing. But the handoff cannot be late in the process. Hmm. Yeah, this is a Zack Snyder to Joss Whedon situation. Yes. If you wrote it and you did all the work on what it's going to look like, don't hand it off to another director. Right? Yeah. The, the uh, don't, don't hand it off at, to cross the finish line. It's not, it's not a, you got to see it through once you, do they have like a, a, a point of no return, a, a point past which, it's just sort of generally late or is it more specific than that? So it's basically what they, it's what they're calling, it's what they're calling the handoff of a mature idea. So a mature, a mature idea is something that's like somebody already feels psychological ownership over it. Somebody has already demonstrated a coherent vision. Somebody has already laid the groundwork and the rules. Mm. That's actually, you would think that's a great time to hand something off because it's like, here are the rules, here are the processes, here's how it all goes. Walk it, you know. Yeah, you'd think think it'd be harder to screw it up when everything is sort of set. Yeah. I'm literally, I'm literally handing it off and you just got to walk it, walk it over the last few yards and we're golden, right? Yeah. But that actually doesn't work. But that tracks, right? Like anecdotally, we that adds up because every time somebody comes in super late on a project, it feels like that project gets borked, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, but they do say that, like, listen, sometimes 
you need to do it. And when that, when that is, it's like, cause there, we've also seen movies where like somebody has got to come in to fix it. Right. Cause it's been going so poorly. Right. Yeah. Like somebody, Oh no, you're a little out of your depth. It's not, the, the problem wasn't your idea or your vision. The problem is you just couldn't execute on it. So now we need to bring somebody in to execute. Yeah. And in that case, it will turn out better than it would have with this one person behind the reins the whole time. But that's just because the person didn't have the talent to do it. If the person had had the talent, it would have been better, you know, Yeah, under there uh, with them shepherding is what it says. It seems like there's a, there are, there's a point at which a number of decisions have been made that you sort of pointed in one direction. And if another mind comes in, another creative force comes in and wants to alter that, there's too much baggage of previously made decisions for them to effectively alter the course in any way. Yes. And so because all those decisions weren't made from their point of view, it's hard for them to adopt the point of view from which they were made. And so everything gets muddled. Right. And a lot of it comes down to psychological ownership too. So the reason why an early handoff works is because nobody, if you're working in like, uh. a, in, in like a collaborative space, imagine like you're sitting down with a group of people trying to figure out the best way to do something and you all throw your ideas in and then you come up with like, okay, this is the best way to do this thing that we wanted to do. And then you hand yeah. it off to somebody because now it's a real project, right? Right. It's still early enough in the project where this person can take your ideas, develop ownership over them, think of the process, run it through, right? It's, you sit down in this a room. writer's room's work. It's That's the, how writer's room's it's work the writer's on TV shows. Room. Exactly. Yeah. You sit down, you plan a, uh, you plan a season, you yeah. plan your well, major. You, beat out, you just beat out an entire episode and then one person goes away and writes it. Right. And all yeah. TV writers will tell you, yeah, that's the episode I wrote, but we all wrote it. That's just the one that yeah. I get credit on because, right. you know, and that's, that is the best way to do things. If you have to work in a team creatively, the best way to do it is to come up with the work, figure out what the work is, what the creative ideas are, and then give those ideas to individual people to take control and ownership over. So wait, so, so I understand the, the placement of the handoff and along the, the timeline of the project, but have we established whether it is beneficial to hand it off at all, or is it better to be an auteur? They found that if it's handed off early, there is functionally no real difference between that and and, an auteur being in control. Mm. There might be, when you watch one of these movies, you might be able to feel a difference, but in terms of create, in terms of critical reception, in terms of like winning awards, in terms of making money, there is no difference. There might be some intrinsic thing. And I say that because, because I do, you know, I work in creative spaces, so I don't want to take away that value of an artist, but functionally, everything's going to turn out fine (laughs) either way. But but Berg's sort of uh, thesis is that the ideal situation is auteur. The ideal situation Aut- is no, one no, no. person. Auteur is no different than an, than a, than an early handoff. Than an early handoff. Okay. A late right. handoff is a problem. But what I'm saying right. is like, you may, you may be able to watch The Godfather and be like, oh, I can tell. I can tell this is just one guy doing his thing. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But like, 
it maybe didn't do any better or doesn't have more fans than anything else. Right. But the good, but Goodfellas was somebody writing the script, handing it to Martin Scorsese early. I think. I, say, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Scorsese. So Mario Puzo wrote a book. Mario Puzo, uh, Mario Puzo wrote a book. He wrote the first draft of Superman, the movie. It was 400 pages. These are the things I know. I had to get away from Scorsese. Um, <laughs> but I think this is interesting because it. I do too. I think there are two things that it shows. It's like, there are two important things that I think people can take away, particularly if they're, if they're trying to do creative work. Number one, you don't have to be this person who sits in isolation and comes up with the brilliant, perfect idea. It is okay mm, to bounce yeah. your idea off people. It is okay to collaborate and figure out what the idea is, what the idea is and how it's best. Um, it's okay to get that little bit of help that gets you started. Um, and I think it's also like, that's an important thing to know. And it's also an important thing to know that like, you can carry a creative thing over the finish line. Right. And maybe, and if you're almost done, it's probably better for you to do it. Even if you're tired, even if you're like, well, I don't know, maybe this just isn't for me anymore. Cause that's the thing with me is I tend to, I tend to be like, I get a little overwhelmed and I'm like, maybe I should just hand this off. Maybe I shouldn't mm. do it. Maybe it's not worth it. Um, right. But then nine times out of 10, when you do that, the thing can fall apart or just not happen. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's very it's interesting. interesting. I, I love that you tend to bring in these, you know, trying to quantify creativity stories because I, I find them all very fascinating. And it's interesting when you, you know, when we apply the scientific method to what we kind of assume to be ephemeral creativity, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, what makes something good or bad or, or of quality, uh, in a, in a creative space. Uh, I like, I like applying data to that, you know, like it, it's interesting, but it's also interesting that it seems to me time after time, it kind of reinforces our intuitions, right? Yeah. Cause, cause you kind of, I, I kind of felt if you'd asked me beforehand, like, what's the best way to do it? I've been like, well, probably kind of sucks when you're almost done and then you give it to somebody else. And it's probably better to, you know, to get an idea really early on and, and make it your own. And that's kind of what the data seems to point yeah. to. Too. The data says if somebody is almost done with a movie, don't send 15 executives into the editing bay to change <laughs> right. the movie. You know, right. I, I, yeah. I think, I think the reason I am interested in this quantifying creativity stuff is I think it's very important for people to understand that like that creativity is a problem solving skill uh, more mm, than it is yeah. a, you know, what is it? It's the, was it John Updike who was like, the muse appears as a, as like a packet of legal papers with a deadline, something <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. where it's like, yeah. dude, no, there's no, there's no like, oh, <gasps> I'm inspired and it's wonderful and it came out of nowhere and I'm just going to like, no, it's like if X, then Y, you know, how do I connect these two things? I have an yes, idea about 100%. this and like, it is a process. And if you work through the process, you can make something. And I think, it, I think that's just so important. Demystifying no, creativity right. is important. I love you describing it as a problem solving process because it really, really is. It is, it is how do I connect these two dots that are hard to connect 
And I just, you have to work at it and think at it and, and mull it over and shape it and look at it from different perspectives. And then the creativity comes from that. And you go, oh my gosh, this person was inspired. It's like, well, they had to fix something. You know? Yeah. They had to fix something. Now, they wanted to, this story didn't work. And so they kept working at it until they fixed it. And, I, and, and that has certainly been my experience uh, in the creative arts as well. And I, and I like that you put it that way. I think too few people think about it in those terms. I mean, it's, it's really blue collar work, you know, in a large sense. Yeah. You, it's, you sit Getting down, you, sit down you, put on, you, put, you put in the work every day. Yeah. That's all it yeah. is. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you, hopefully you all found that interesting as well. Um, yeah. And if you did, uh, go write a fucking book about it already. <laughs> Go be creative. Or, or, you know, give us a dollar a month. That would be nice too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, e- that's easier. Give us a dollar a month for every month you, you don't write a book and every month you do. <laughs> Patreon.com slash we have concerns. See you next week. <laughs>